If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello and welcome to Minigame Jukebox, the podcast that explores the storytelling power of video game music. I'm Michael Ferris. Anybody who follows Metal Gear creator Hideo Kojima on social media knows how much of a fan of music he is. Hardly a week goes by without multiple pictures of his fancy music player with a screenshot of what music is striking his fancy. This love of music, unsurprisingly, made its way into the Metal Gear series and touches on every role of video game music that we have discussed so far during the minigame jukebox series. In the original NES and MSX Metal Gear games, tools to create music were primitive in comparison to today, but there are still a few tricks that they use to evoke the proper tone and mood, such as this track titled Jungle Area. The track uses an initial slower pace and frequent pauses to imply that this game should be taken at a slower pace and that you are more of a sneaky hunter rather than an ultra-powerful badass, like the way that this piece from the first Contra game does. As technology advanced, so did the tools to create music and integrate it into a video game. This brings us to the first Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation. Starting the game for the first time almost immediately hits you with the first track, titled The Best Is Yet To Come, a Gaelic operatic piece about a changing world and the pain of not being able to revert to a simpler time. Coming from a series of beeps and boops from the NES hardware, this represents a dramatic shift in the series, both with tone and subject matter. Metal Gear Solid The Game is about a set of characters and how they cope with a changing world. A world full of rampant nuclear weapons, genetic engineering, bioterrorism, dealing with a first love and then losing that love. It's a lot, but this track foreshadows a change that our cast must endure. Solid Snake has to face an evolving battlefield, Otacon copes with love and betrayal for the first time, and Meryl enters a world and lifestyle that is particularly unkind to young women, that being the lifestyle of a soldier. Metal Gear Solid 2 features a more classically cinematic score, with quite a few great ambient pieces. But the track I want to highlight is called Arsenal's Guts. Without going into a long diatribe about plot details, I will say that at the point at which this track plays, 
is after a number of plot twists and revelations that changes the very nature of the story and your role in it. The music shifts from the typical Hollywood style to reflect more horror themes, and you are very musically motivated to get back to a more familiar environment. This brings us to Metal Gear Solid 3 and its theme song, Snake Eater. Metal Gear Solid 3 is a prequel that takes place in the 1960s and has a campier feel than the previous entries. theme is a play on the theme songs from the Sean Connery era of James Bond films. This is a perfect setup, not only for the tone and era in which the game takes place, but also touches on the narrative, since many of the Bond films of that vintage deal with Cold War themes of US versus Russia and nuclear war, and so does MGS3, albeit with the lighter tone of a Bond movie. This brings us to the modern era of Metal Gear Solid for entries 4 and 5. The most notable track from Metal Gear Solid 4 is the theme for Old Snake, which is the first time in the series that a character theme really helps tell the story of the character. At this point in the series, Snake is an old, dying man, and his theme musically emphasizes this. It's sparse and somber, and it is a theme that acknowledges that this is the last big adventure that players will have with this beloved character. Finally, we haven't touched on licensed music yet, as the series really hasn't had any, aside from an in-game iPod that you have access to in Metal Gear Solid 4. Which brings us to, as of now, the final entry in the Metal Gear Solid series, Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain. Like MGS3, The Phantom Pain is a prequel, this time taking place in the mid-1980s. Along the way, you can collect cassette tapes of pop hits from the 1980s, but the track that really stands out is a cover of David Bowie's The Man Who Sold the World. Metal Gear Solid V is all about shadow governments and power and spies and espionage. 
part of that narrative confusion extends to who you play as. For most of the game, you expect to be playing as Big Boss, the character you play as in MGS3 and the father of Solid Snake later in the timeline. However, it is revealed at the end that you are just an engineered fall guy for Big Boss as he tries to rebuild his private army and become the villain that we know him as in other entries in the series. This cover foreshadows this twist with both its subject matter and the fact that the song is just a cover, not the original. Almost no other series in video games uses music so dynamically over so many entries. And even though the series has come to an end, I hope other storytellers use music in so many interesting ways in their games. So thank you very much for joining me in this sub-series of Minigame. Music has been something I wanted to discuss since the beginning, and I hope you enjoyed the set of episodes. Thank you very much for listening. The executive producer for Lore Party is Abu Zafar. Minigame is written and produced by Michael Ferris. Follow Minigame on Twitter at Minigame Podcast and follow Lore Party at Lore underscore Party. Visit Lore Party at loreparty.com and email Minigame at minigamepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening.